I'm George Lizos, spiritual teacher, psychic killer, and number one best-selling author. Growing up in a small and Christian community, I was judged and rejected for being gay and different. After a futile two-year attempt to change who I was born to be, I called myself a human abomination and almost took my own life. Fortunately, in my darkest moment, I saw the light and ventured on a healing journey of love, forgiveness, and spiritual awakening. Yet my dating life since hasn't always been all roses and rainbows, and my past dramas and traumas have definitely kept things spicy. Fast forward past many awkward dates and disappointing sex, I created Can't Host to challenge toxic gay stereotypes, explore the complex dynamics of gay sex and relationships, and create opportunities for healing and growth. If you're a gay guy seeking more joy, freedom, and authenticity in your sex, life, and relationships, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to season two of Can't Host. I'm your host, George Lizos, and this is episode 32. I am so excited to be back for season two. I have so many fun episodes planned for you. So just a recap of why I paused for the summer. I decided that I would take the summer off to explore. I had learned so much during season one of the podcast, 31 episodes. I chatted to so many people. I learned so many things. I pushed myself out of my comfort zone. I learned new ideas. I pushed myself to understand myself and my sexuality in different ways. And I wanted time to process to digest the information and to get out there and experience and explore my sexuality and see where that takes me. And my summer did not disappoint. <laughs> it was very fun. It was very sexy. I will talk about it today. If you're a new listener, make sure to go back and listen to the previous episodes. There is a wealth of information about all kinds of different topics. This podcast is a bridge between sexuality, spirituality, and psychology. So we have topics on all three subjects. If you are an existing listener, welcome back. I'm so excited to continue this journey that we've started together so we can all learn and grow together. I would really appreciate it if you rated the podcast and also subscribe to it. Come follow me on Instagram at George Lizos and make sure to DM me with your comments and your opinions about the different episodes. I'm very open to discussing and learning. If you have any suggestions for episodes, I would love to hear them as well. So this season on the podcast, I have so many topics for you. I already recorded a few episodes. I've been very uh, prepared and organized this summer. We have episodes on bisexuality, queer magic. We talk about cacao ceremonies and how we can work with the energy and the essence of cacao to heal sexual trauma and to deepen our sexuality. We'll talk about how media, how the media, TV, movies, ads inform our sexual preferences. I have a really fun episode about masturbation techniques for men. We're gonna talk about aphrodisiac plants and herbs. And we're gonna talk about high and horny sex parties, meth addiction, and addiction in general when it comes to the gay community. If you need support, I work with people one-on-one -on -one as well, and you can book a session with me via my website at georgelizos.com, or you can get in touch with me on Instagram, and we can chat about what it is you wanna work on. This episode will be a recap of my summer. I will share with you the lessons I learned 
after applying a lot of the theories and a lot of the insights I learned during season one of the podcast. As I said in the beginning, my aim this summer was to explore my sexuality, to push my boundaries, to be open to trying new things and put what I learned into test. Specifically, I experimented with semen retention, dropping labels such as being a top, bottom, etc. Kind of tried to explore by curiosity, exploring different sexual positions, and learning to communicate and create intimacy with partners. And as a result, I've learned a lot of lessons. I triggered fears and traumas and limiting beliefs that I had to deal with. But in the end, I got more comfortable with my body, with my sexuality, and I feel like a completely different person. I feel like I know myself and my sexuality way better than I did three months ago. So, shall we get started? This first lesson that I want to share with you, and by the way, I have a structure when sharing these lessons. I will share a little bit about how I experimented with it, the underlying factors behind what I experienced, and then I'm going to share the lesson that I actually learned that I feel will help you as well as you move on with your own sexual journey. So I named each lesson, and I have three main lessons here for you. Actually, four, four main lessons. The first one is quality over quantity, and here's how this came up. One of the main things I love when it comes to sex is cruising in nudist beaches, cruising in parks, and of course, saunas. So I had a lot of nudist beach experiences while I was in Spain. I was in Malaga for the whole of July, and I went to like cruising parks, and I went to nudist beaches, I went to a sauna. I was in Greece, in Athens for a month, and I experimented more there. I went to like the saunas there, and... What I found my experiences were during those trips was that in the beginning, I was trying to hook up with as many guys as possible. This partly had to do with being there with my best friend, my gay best friend, so we would go there together. So I saw it in the beginning as competition. Now, I'm just going to share what happened and then later on how I realized what was going on because at the time I didn't realize that I was seeing this competitively but in retrospect I realized that I did because I was there with someone else and because I went through a very traumatic childhood and teenage years where I was constantly comparing myself to other people constantly made to feel that I was not good enough I was not handsome enough I was not sexy enough I I'm conditioned to compare myself to others. So I let that fear of not being liked push me into a cycle of quantity over quality. So I would go to Nudie's Beach and I would get very neurotic about it. I would just constantly search and just sometimes go with guys that I wouldn't normally go with just so I could tick that box and say that I did something that I hooked up. Same thing in sauna, same thing in cruising parks. I found myself being very stressed out and very neurotic when it comes to looking for sex rather than focusing on pleasure. And as a result, in most of my experiences while I was in Malaga, and there were many experiences, I can't say that I enjoyed any of them. Yes, I had a lot of sex, but I didn't enjoy it. And it's so sad thinking about it right now because I feel like I should have known better. I've spent so many years of my life doing that. And I had gone through a lot of therapy, both with my own practices and by working with other therapists to get me into a state of 
authenticity and just going for something that gives me pleasure rather than chasing for external satisfaction that I felt like I let myself down when I allowed myself to get into some of the same situations that I was in in the past. But in retrospect, I can see what was behind that. It was an ego thing. I let myself fall back into my own comparison habits, wanting to feel worthy and wanting to feel sexy, using outside circumstances to satisfy my internal need for worthiness that can only be found from within me, not from outside of myself. I let FOMO get the best of me. It all had to do with my childhood experiences. As I said earlier, made to feel that I'm not good enough, I'm not handsome enough, I'm not sexy enough, doubting myself throughout my childhood and my teenage years, judging myself, forcing myself to have sex just because people in the gay community had sex and therefore I had to belong into that group and I had to do that. I let myself go there. And even though I had known and I had been through this in the past and I had grown from it, I still relapsed, which brought me into a very important lesson. The lesson being that the healing journey is never ending and there's nothing wrong with relapsing as long as you know how to bring yourself back home. Because as soon as I realized what I was doing, I shifted my perspective and I stopped searching for quantity and I instead started searching for quality. The healing journey, spiritual journey, is not like a university degree diploma. You don't get it once and then you have it for life. It's something that you keep working on over and over again. Our fears, our traumas, and our limiting beliefs, they come in layers. And yes, we work through them, we heal them to a great degree, but there are other layers remaining. And then there comes another point where we have to deal with those other layers as well. And it's a never-ending journey. So I learned to be gentle with myself and to be kind with myself when relapsing. And at the end of the day, I still experimented. I got some pleasure out of it. It wasn't the ideal kind of pleasure that I wanted and needed, but it was something. The good thing is that it brought me into a stage of knowing what I truly want when I go out cruising or when I go to nudist beaches. I search for what I've termed intimacy partners. I'm not sure if that term exists, but I've defined it in a way that makes sense to me. I define intimacy partners as people that we connect and communicate with sexually without necessarily dating or being in a relationship with them. And this can be a regular partner that we see like often or just a one night stand. And what makes them different from casual hookups is the energetic connection and communication that's there on all levels. There's eye contact, there's body language that, that communicates, there's verbal communication, there's an energetic communication. I had an experience of an intimacy partner in the beginning of the summer and another experience, a couple of experiences actually, towards the end of the summer. And then in the middle of the summer, it was when I relapsed completely and I was chasing quantity over quality. And let me give you this example just to demonstrate what I mean. In the beginning of the summer, I went to a cruising nudist beach here in Cyprus and I met this guy and I was with this guy and another guy as well. And we just had a threesome, an oral threesome on the beach. Now, I could see clear contrast between the two guys and my relationship with them. 
One guy, he was totally performative and goal-oriented. It was just about the movement, going through the motions, jerking off, fingering, just going through the motions of what porn and what were expected to think about gay sex. Now, with the other guy, I had a completely different relationship. It was not about the action. It was not about performing. It was not about getting somewhere. It was not about coming, for example. It was about connecting. There was eye contact. There was touching. There was communicating verbally about what we liked, communicating like body-wise about what we liked and what we didn't like. It was about creating this energetic emotional connection in the moment and then doing something and letting that connection lead our action rather than the other way around. And we ended up meeting like a week afterwards on the same beach and we had another full day of this. And of course, there were blowjobs. Of course, there was fingering. Of course, there was kissing. But it wasn't performative. It wasn't goal-oriented. We were not trying to get somewhere. In fact, neither of us came in the end. And we didn't care about that because that emotional and energetic connection was enough. And the playful games and teasing that we had with one another was way more sexually satisfying than going through the motions and coming. So that experience really, from the beginning of the summer, set my expectation about what it is that I do want when I go out cruising. And of course, I kept in touch with that guy, but it may or may not lead somewhere. It's not about dating. It's not about finding the one or one of the many ones. It's about connecting with and communicating with your partner, whatever relationship that may be while having sex, whether it's a casual thing and whether it's not. And then towards the end of the summer, again, after relapsing like <laughs> for months and months, I had another such experience. Actually, as I said, two experiences with two guys in a gay sauna in Athens, where again, I was very honest about what I liked and what I wanted to do. And therefore, I communicated that. I communicated like... I don't like nipple work. Please don't get near my nipples. <laughs> the other person communicated their own needs. I communicated my own needs. I literally guided them and asked them to do certain things. And that communication and connection, again, was not performative, was not goal-oriented, and it led us to intense sexual satisfaction that well, once it involved like climaxing and the other time it didn't, and that was totally fine. So that was my first lesson, quality over quantity and searching for intimacy partners, not just mediocre ephemeral hookups that give you some sense of bodily pleasure, but nothing more. Let's move into the second lesson, which was all about not fetishizing guys. Now let's start with a backstory. Usually when I have sex, I go with a certain image that I have in my head of what I consider to be hot or attractive. And therefore, I fetishize people by putting them into a box. I'm liking certain body types, for example, like big dicks or a certain height, a bubble butt, like certain physical characteristics. I mean, we all do that to a great degree because we all have a type. But sometimes doing that prevents us from exploring our energetic type, our psychological type, our spiritual type, because there are people that we may not 
like initially right off of their physical appearance, but there are guys we may be attracted to from an energetic perspective or a spiritual, psychological, emotional perspective. At the same time, going with a certain type of guy usually had to do with me rather than them. Therefore, sleeping with them made me feel a certain way about myself. So it was a way for me to get something that I lacked. For example, growing up, I never saw myself as the hot guy. And I was bullied, as I said earlier, from being, for being fat, etc. So having sex with guys that I considered as being hot in my adolescence made me feel like the guy I wanted to be when I was a kid, rather than who I really am. And therefore, fetishizing, in my experience, was using guys as a fix to make me feel a certain way about myself. Therefore, it was about me. It wasn't about them. It wasn't that I liked them or that I was into them. It was that I was into what they represented and how that made me feel. Oh, that was a big realization for me when I realized it. Now, I want to define the term fetish. The Cambridge Dictionary defines fetish as having a sexual interest in an object or a part of the body other than the sexual organs or in a person as if they are an object. In my case, and I suppose in many people's case as well, let me know if that's your case as well, you can DM me on Instagram and let me know, that was fetishizing a person, seeing a person as an object, that's what they represented, the hot guy, the muscly guy, the guy with a big bad, the guy with a big dick, and seeing that as a point of attraction rather than the person. Why do we do this? Why do I do this? I feel that to a great degree it has to do with the way we're conditioned by the porn industry and by media to find certain things attractive and others not. I mean, if you go all the way back to ancient Greece and see the statues of men that represented the ideal male figure, it's very similar to what we have today. So this conditioning has been going on for literally thousands of years. At the same time, we do have our own preferences as to what turns us on. But as I said earlier, limiting ourselves to just those external characteristics hinders us from exploring other channels of sexual attraction. So what did I do? I decided to drop my list of expectations and my types and likes when it comes to men, and I shifted my perspective, allowing myself to find an energetic connection, an emotional connection. and. I ended up having some of the best sex that I've had in my life with guys I wouldn't normally have sex with in the past because it didn't fit into my stereotype as to what I was attracted to. And I was so attracted to them, but it wasn't their looks. It was other things about themselves. It was how they felt about themselves, how they held themselves. It was their energy, their connection the common fantasies that we shared sometimes. There was way more for me to explore there and experience there rather than their physical characteristics. And I encourage you to give yourself permission to do that. Allow yourself to explore beyond what you tend to like in relationships and in, in sex and see what comes up as a result. And let's move on to the third lesson from my summer. Never enter a sexual situation unless you feel good about yourself. Let's talk about that. This had to do with a lot of the triggers that I felt when entering 
group sex situation or when approaching people out in the wild. So in a lot of the nudist beaches that I've been to, in Spain particularly, there was a lot of group sex going on, like groups of five and sometimes more guys just having sex. And in situations like that, you tend to like mingle around and then you, you join and then you may be invited in or not. Now, this fear of rejection paralyzed me. And up to this point, I don't think I've still gone over it. It still would paralyze me. If I'm in a situation like that, I generally don't enter the group. Or if I do enter, I, get, I don't enjoy myself because I'm very self-conscious. I keep on second-guessing myself. Like, am I wanted here? Do they like me? Are they just tolerating me? So I just overthink the whole situation. And I know it has to do with, again, with my own fears and limiting beliefs. And this is coming from someone, me, that I've been working on healing this for many, many years. And here I am still struggling. So I'm just mentioning this to let you know that if you're struggling with something similar, it's okay. <laughs> We're all in this together. It's a journey. And we all have our own personal, personalized journey. So don't judge yourself and don't expect too much from yourself. I have the same experience when it comes to approaching like people, like single people, like a single person rather than a group of people. I would always wait for the other guy to make the first move because I, wouldn't, I didn't know if they liked me. I couldn't tell. Again, I wasn't feeling sexy enough or handsome enough to make that first move. I was terrified of getting rejected. That being said, on days that I felt really good about myself, that I liked my body, that I had a really high sense of self-esteem, and I, I took the time to meditate, to raise my vibration, to get into a good feeling state, I would be the complete opposite. I would have so much confidence and I would be a dick magnet. I would just walk and the guys would be attracted to me. And I would make the first move and I would feel confident. That wasn't the case still with uh, groups of people. I think I have fear of groups of guys together. Hmm. Now that I'm thinking about it, it may have to do with getting bullied by guys in my past. So even though I know those are gay guys and they wouldn't judge me for my sexuality, the idea of a group of guys together is triggering to me. At the same time, it's sexually arousing. <laughs> But it's also triggering. Interesting how the two kind of coexist, right? Fearing them, but also being sexually aroused by them. By the way, I have an episode about that. That's coming up. About how media shapes our sense of masculinity and affects our sexuality as well. Now, my lesson here, as I said, was never entering a sexual encounter situation unless I'm feeling really good about myself. Taking... 10 to 15 minutes before I go out cruising or like having sex with anyone to center myself, to ground myself, to meditate, to affirm who I am and what I know about myself, to set an intention about the pleasure and the fulfillment that I want to experience. Like having that practice really anchored me into my being, into my worthiness, into my self-esteem and allowed me to enter sexual situations feeling confident about myself. Essentially, like giving me a pep talk. I would get my journal out and I would write positive affirmations about sex. Ooh, let me see if I can read you some of my affirmations because I had my journal with me and I went through a period of experiencing a lot of fear and limiting beliefs 
I have my journal with me right now, and I'm actually going to read you the affirmations that I wrote here that I used to prep myself before going out there to just affirm that I'm worthy of receiving pleasure. Again, that was a result of all my childhood trauma that came back to trigger me and haunt me. And this is a way for me to heal that, to remind myself of the healing that I experienced as well, because I healed that to a great degree, but you need to maintain that healing. Again, it's not something you get and you have for life. Healing is a never-ending journey. Okay, so here are the affirmations for love and sex that I have here. Affirmations are simply statements we make about ourselves. And the more we make them, the more we believe them, and we more, the more we start reconditioning ourselves about who we are. So repeat after me if you want to. If not, just listen to them and let the energy of these affirmations just enter your body and your being. I am worthy to be flirted with. I am worthy to flirt. I deserve to be loved. I deserve a hot man by my side. I am handsome. I am sexy. I am beautiful. I attract the right men into my life. I am not for everyone. I'm not everyone's cup of tea and that's okay. I am ready for love. I take things one step at a time. I don't rush things. I trust my inner guidance. I know when to act. I don't future trip. I take things slowly. Things unfold easily and effortlessly. So these are the affirmations that I used when I was getting triggered one day uh, before going on a date, actually. So in different situations, I am inspired to write different things. And those are affirmations that I felt I needed to hear at the time. They're affirmations that if I had a friend with me, I would want that friend to tell me. There were words that I wanted to hear to feel good about myself. So preparing myself that way before going out there and entering a sexual situation really got me feeling confident about myself. And as a result, I would attract the right people. Not the quantity of people, but the quality of people that would give me the sexual pleasure that I craved. And the final lesson was all about being unapologetically honest about what I want and what gets me off. Communication was life-changing for me when it comes to sex. I don't know about you, but I was never taught to communicate when having sex. I was taught to be silent and just go with the flow and just let other people like do whatever they want with me. And that was not enjoyable. But once I started becoming the director of my own sexual experience and communicating with others, as to my likes, my dislikes, what gets me off, what turns me off, it completely shifted things for me. Now let's start with the experience that got me into that stage. The experience was I realized that I don't enjoy having anal sex with guys I just meet for the first time. I don't enjoy having casual anal sex. I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel safe. For me, anal sex is way more intimate than giving a blowjob or kissing someone. It's different for different people and that's okay. For you, it may be the complete opposite. 
for you the kissing may be very intimate and anal may be just like the most impersonal thing for you. For me, it's not. And I had to get honest with myself because for many years I judged myself for not having anal sex. This year, I owned the fact that I want to feel safe with the other person, that I want to be able to communicate, that I want to have an energetic connection to have anal sex. And I'm not going to settle for anything less than that. And again, it's not about being in a relationship. It's not about being monogamous. It's about trust. And it's about feeling safe and feeling comfortable. And it's about communicating. And as a result, I felt more comfortable telling guys that I am aside when cruising and when having casual sex. Again, sides are guys who are not tops. They're not bottoms. They're not verse. They just like oral sex. I had Dr. Joe Court, the psychotherapist who coined the term side, on the podcast for two episodes. I can link them in the show notes below and you can go and, and listen to them where he talks about the term side more. It's slowly becoming more mainstream. If you go on Grindr in the option where you select your sexual position, you'll see even Grindr now has the option. You have top, bottom, versatile, and side. Sadly, it wasn't as mainstream as I expected it to be. Can we please make it mainstream? <laughs> it's so awkward having sex with someone and they're asking you, are, are you top or bottom? And I'm telling them I'm a side and they're staring at me, wondering what I'm talking about. I'm like, oh, it's when guys don't like having anal sex and we just like oral sex. And they keep on staring. <laughs> so please, guys, let's make the term side mainstream so we can avoid the awkwardness of having to have this conversation while having sex. And you can tell someone I'm aside and be like, okay, let's just suck each other off. <laughs> I would love if we could get into that stage. Thank you. Which tells you how awkward my experiences were trying to explain this to people. However, after I went through the initial stage, the initial awkwardness of explaining what that is, and just owning the fact that you know what? You're not going to fuck me. I'm not going to fuck you. You can either stay and we can do oral play or you can leave and you go find someone else to fuck. And some guy said, perfect, let's keep going. Other guy said, sorry, I want to fuck. And that ended the interaction. And that was totally fine with me. But owning it and communicating it was so liberating because it opened up the conversation for their preferences as well and what they liked. I started asking questions. Do you like this? Do you like nipple play? Do you like me when I touch your balls, for example? And they would say yes or no. And then they would just take the lead and direct me. Can you try this? And can you try that? And then I would also communicate mine. And it was so life-changing. Like in my last sexual interaction that I had in the sauna, it was just more talking and less action with the guy. And we were so turned on. And we ended up like, coming together in the end because we just communicated and respected each other's needs and wants and it was satisfying for both of us. So give it a try. If you're someone who's like, oh my god, I don't like talking when having sex, I mean, be open to it. What's the worst that can happen? If the other guy feels awkward, fair enough. You can, you can stop talking and you can keep on doing but if you find someone who's more open, and I feel that when we start communicating and we make the first move in communicating and opening ourselves up and being vulnerable, we give permission to the other 
people as well to be vulnerable and open with us and communicate with us as well. So you never know what may come up. Allow yourself to explore. So if I had to wrap this episode up with a single advice, lesson was never say never. Like open yourself up to new things. Experiment, explore. Don't be too quick to shut something down. Allow your ideas to express themselves into the real world. The worst thing that can happen is you're going to try something and you're not going to like it. And then you'll know, okay, I don't like this, but I like that. Unless you try, you can't know what you like. So rather than keeping yourself limited, sexually limited, into what you know works, give yourself permission to take risks outside of your comfort zone so you can expand your range of needs and wants and likes. And who knows what you may discover. Alrighty, that brings me to the end of the first episode of season two of Can't Host, episode 32 in the whole of the podcast. I hope you enjoyed this. Again, as always, I would love to hear from you. Make sure to DM me on Instagram at George Lizos. Let me know what you learned, what your insights are. If you have any story to share, if you have any suggestions for episodes, I'm more than open to hear them. And I can't wait to see you next week with another episode. Next week, we're going to start our usual structural episodes where I'm going to have a guest with me. Until then, have a lovely rest of your day. Thank you for tuning in. If you have any insights or a story to share, message me on Instagram at George Lizos and tell me all about it. I would love to hear from you.